Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Mental Health on Campus podcast. My name is Taylor, and I'm going to be your host for today. This podcast is brought to you by the Center for Innovation in Campus Mental Health. We work with campuses and community organizations in Ontario to address the mental health needs of students. Today, we're joined by Adani Phillip. Adani is a support worker and queer youth advocate in Toronto. She's been supporting youth in navigating various social systems and challenges for the last eight years, and we are so grateful to have her here speaking to this important issue. Adani, thank you so much for being here. Can you tell us a bit about yourself and the work that you've been doing in community for the last little bit? So as you said, my name is Adani, like one Danny, and I've been working with two SLGBTQ youth for the last, it'll be almost eight years. It'll be eight years in December in different capacities, settlement, so lots of newcomer youth, case management. I've been working with youth in and leaving care of Children's Aid Society. In the end, I've worked with a lot of youth in their late teens, early 20s. Awesome. In your role supporting 2SLGBTQ plus folks from a community perspective, what are some of the themes that you've seen that are impacting the well-being of queer students? I believe the most prominent ones I can think of, food insecurities, employment, education, mental health is a big one, and housing is always one of the top list toppers. Of all of these, I think they're further impacted and exacerbated by finances. Everyone, as we know, we are in that climate right now, is struggling with the inflation rates. But these folks are the ones who get touched by it even more. Life is incredibly expensive for them. I was actually thinking, I was talking to a friend the other day and we were talking about donations and the fact that folks can't really afford to donate as much or as frequently as they usually would. So if we think of someone who is donating $20 to $30 a month, that's the equivalent of about two courses worth of books for a university student. That's two, maybe three books. And then they have all of their other finances on top of that. So definitely all of those pieces put together. Yeah, that's a, when you put it in perspective, that is that is a huge disparity, a huge issue that folks can be facing. Of course, you know that this podcast is connected to our toolkit on uh, supporting 2SLGBTQ plus students on campus. And in the toolkit, we talk about the fact that queer folks are not a monolith, right? They're, they're not the same. In your experience, how are youth finding support? Like, are there groups, programs, you know, from a community perspective, are there um, agencies that are doing that kind of outreach to different communities? Your answer is yes. There are definitely groups. There are definitely agencies doing it. But I find what's most important is that the youth are resilient. I say that. And most folks think resiliency is a good thing, but I believe if your circumstances are forcing you to learn, forcing you to adapt, then even something that the world or most folks will view as good can be something that's unfortunate. In this situation, 2SLGBTQ youth, they have had to learn how to navigate and build their own communities. So even though there are definitely groups and organizations out there that are 
doing great work. They are creating spaces for folks to drop in. They're providing meals. They are attempting to create affordable housing and making partnerships that youth can access and maybe get a meal or two that they don't have to pay for. A lot of that stems from the youth doing the work and creating these spaces for themselves. Also, like, have you seen TikTok recently? I think that is a great example of the ways in which youth continuously create spaces for themselves. Definitely. I think social media is one of those things that are not often utilized to the best uh, of their abilities, right? When Especially when we're talking about creating those kinds of spaces. So that's really awesome that you brought it up. It's definitely something to think about. In thinking about what you're just talking about, we actually came out with an info sheet on addressing the impact of culture on mental health. And in that info sheet, we talked about the fact that International students are make up almost a third of post-secondary students on campus, right? Um, wow. On campuses across Ontario. Yeah, it's huge. And, and we know that international students are facing a lot of unique challenges uh, when, when compared to domestic students. Um, and I'm wondering about your experience working with queer newcomers in, in settlement services, queer folks who are are new to the country. Have you supported folks who are also navigating on-campus life while trying to build that community, right? That element of resilience. And are there any challenges that you've seen folks contending with in trying to juggle all of these things? Yeah, this is a big one. I have, I've worked with newcomer youth navigating post-secondary life and I feel they're working with the same challenges that domestic students are working with. However, there are additional hurdles for them, such as language barriers, such as culture shock or culture integration. And when I say this, I mean, no matter what their country of origin is, whether there are similarities to Canadian culture or major differences, there will always be pieces that do not match what they're used to in their daily lives for the better, for the worse. So along with that, there are also youth whose country of origin, it's not safe for them on the basis level of who they are. There are youth who come here and they don't have that self-realization of their queer identities, of their trans identities, of these pieces until they are in Canada and realize that it will not be safe for them to go back to their country of origin. So I think with the people I've worked with in those situations, they have added safety concerns. And then on top of that, an immigration system. And those are all pieces that are added to the challenges of just being a student on campus, of being a 2SLGBT student on campus and trying to navigate going to school, trying to navigate classes, making friends, interpersonal relationships, and then figuring out yourself because that's the other thing that I think we all always talk about when we talk about youth in university is this the time for you to figure out yourself, you know, those pieces. So I think in addition to all of that, they're dealing with 
those thoughts. So their mental health is being stretched in so many, to so many different corners of their lives. I hope that all made sense. No, that definitely makes sense. And, and I actually, I have another follow-up because what you're, what you're bringing to this conversation is, is really touching on a lot of the different aspects that we, we touch on at CICMH. And, and I'm curious in your experience, do you know of, or have you worked with any on-campus mental health programs that are geared towards supporting to us LGBTQ plus students, queer students who are struggling with some of these additional safety pieces, if we can be so blunt as to call them safety pieces, right? Whether it's the fear of what will happen after graduation, being a queer student, maybe with that, like the lack of safety of returning to their country of origin, or even the isolation of not feeling safe enough to go home to visit for the holidays. Like, have you, have you heard of any on-campus programs across Ontario that are working to sort of address these things or support students in navigating these things or navigating their mental health as they deal with these things? Unfortunately, I have not, no. Sometimes a short short and sweet, but also very impactful. This feeds right into my, my next question and my last question, which is, is there anything that you think that post-secondary institutions can learn from community members, from community organizations to better support the mental health of queer students on campus, whether domestic or uh, international? I believe that every institution can learn to listen. If I was only allowed one thing to say, that would be it. Every year, every generation, the youth are becoming more vocal about their needs and their wants. They're saying what they're missing. They're sharing where they and their peers are slipping through the cracks. And I find what institutions may sometimes see as most pressing and thus what they put their efforts into may have key disconnections from the needs of those being served. Think about it as parents and teens. They just don't have the full scope of that understanding because they're not dealing with the same issues. So there needs to be more on-campus groups in person and virtual, we want to make sure we're accounting for different needs, different comfort levels. They can learn to create spaces for peers to support and hold space for each other. They can learn the ways in which domestic students and their struggles may differ or be similar to that of international students. But at the end of it, the core piece of it is that they can't know any of this if they're not listening. Very well said. Yeah. And that that speaks to kind of what we try to do at CICMH all the time when we're putting out our work is we we like to highlight the whole campus approach. We all have, everyone on campus has a role that they can play in supporting the mental health and well-being of students on campus. And that extends to the mental health and well-being and the unique challenges that are faced by 2SLGBTQ plus students on campus as well. We mentioned that this episode is part of our toolkit titled Invisible Intersections, Supporting 2SLGBTQ plus students on campus. To check it out or to see any of our other great resources and tools, you can find all the links on our website, campusmentalhealth.ca. Thank you so much, Adani. 
for coming and joining us, for speaking to us, for sharing your insight and your time. Thank you, everybody listening to this episode. We'll see you next time for another episode of the Mental Health on Campus podcast. And until then, take care.